What's going on, guys? Your host with most Jordan Kime in the building. I'm here with my cohort in crime, the man who has a face for radio, Steve the Animal Mitchell. I love my face for radio. What's going on, Straight Talk Wrestling fans? It's a nice face. It's okay. I, I work on it every day. You moisturize? I really do. You have like a, a thing, like a situation where you moisturize and everything? I do. Ladies no. like it when you take care of your shit, man. It really it comes Don't down lie. to that. You have a bar of Irish Spring next to the sink and you just, you wash your face. You figured it all out. <laughs> you, cracked the, you cracked the case, Gavna. All right. So if you haven't figured it out, you can hear a third laugh in the room. <laughs> That's because we got another amazing Canadian indie talent in the house with us tonight. This is Mr. Holden Albright. Hello. Hello. Welcome oh, to Straight Talk. Thank you so much for taking the time out for us today. No worries. I'm enjoying the shit talking on your co-host. This is what we, this is what we do. This is the this is the banter that we have. So um, your real name is Brandon, but we'll try to we'll try to flip flop between Brandon and Holden. Sometimes we'll be like, "Yo, all right, answer this question." So the first question we always ask everyone in every interview that we do is, everyone has that defining moment where they fell in love with wrestling. Do you remember the moment where you realized wrestling was going to be a big part of your life? For me, it wasn't a defining moment. It was like, my dad liked wrestling, so I just always watch wrestling. And I'll sometimes go back on the network and see something from like 94, 95. And I'm like, I know I know this happened, but I wasn't cognizant yet of like noticing it. So then uh, it wasn't until like my like memories of like falling in love with wrestling are the two home video releases of... uh, because Stone Cold says so in Austin 316 Uncensored, which AAW actually ran a show in uh, Texas recently, and they duplicated that cover with ACH on uh, the poster. Nice. And it was amazing. But, like, I remember, like, Stone Cold's the reason why I taught, like, all my friends in grade three how to swear you won't go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, in terms of that the, that being your, your defining moment, which is, which is amazing, um, do you have a, a match that sticks out in your head? Like, something that maybe... Uh, favorite not your all-time favorite if you have an all-time great one match that kind of resonates with you uh a little spoiler alert kayfabe breaking the first match that's like an early match i can like really remember is SummerSlam 98 which we talked about right before going on air and it was rock and triple h uh madison square garden you got highway to hell as a pay-per-view theme and uh, that ladder match yellow ladder purple pants on uh, triple h fun times I'm a Triple H guy. I'm all about Triple H. We talked about that before the show. He is my uh, my one and only bromance. I mean, I have like three or four that are kind of in fluctuation, but he's my go-to bromance on a solid, regular basis. How's that make you feel? <laughs> <laughs> he's he's in there. Okay. Like, he's in like, there. Like, he's still my best friend, but kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. Triple H was like, George, I was listening to your show, and I really dig it, and I want to co-host it with you. I would call Steve and be like, hey, listen, you're fired. I mean, like, <laughs> he was my best friend first. <laughs> like, you can't have him. Sorry. <laughs> WrestleMania 36 match right there. Steve the Animal Mitchell versus Triple H for George's friendship. George's friendship. Amazing. Which WrestleMania are they on this year? We're going on to 35. Okay. 35, right? Yeah. 35, yeah. So the next one's in a year for you guys uh, to build So we've got to get this, we've got to get this package going. Yeah, so we'll do like the, the like the contract for Dominic back yes. in the day with the story <laughs> and the arrow. We'll have the contract for George's friendship. Hands down, hands down, most racist, confusing story of all time. Put two Spanish guys in a ring and have a fight over the Spanish. Yeah. Well, but that was literally just Eddie wanted to be a heel again, and like that's perfect. I I just watched uh, the first one night stand again. Nice and uh, right on. It's Eddie and Benoit in a match that. Eddie did not want to be in that match. Not and at early all. Early on, he gets like cut open, and he just hates everything because his body, he, 
is kind of breaking down at that point, and he's just focused on like good stuff with Ray. And I was like, oh yeah, there's an Eddie Benoit match on this, and then I watched it. And I was like, oh man. Oh, it's just not into it. It was not a good Eddie. So, you, where did the training kind of start for you? We talked about a little bit off the air, but for our listeners who weren't privy to that conversation, when did you start really getting involved in the business? So, I'm like a mutt of Ontario Indie Wrestling. Like, uh, so before I got my green light to wrestle on real shows and real matches, I started at Squared Circle Training in North York in February 2014. Mr. Fuego was your trainer? Yes. We've heard this name a lot. But, like, he wasn't really hands-on with me. He was in the office. And then uh, the people that were hands-on with me were Jordan Marquez, who helped, uh, who runs Demand Lucha right now, and uh, Ashley Six. And so I started in February... The school closed near the end of August 2014, and I would honestly say I didn't take it seriously for like that six-ish months, and it wasn't until the school closed down right in like the final six weeks of me going, okay, I want to be a wrestler, I want to actually do this, the school closed and I'm like, ah, shit. (laughs) But then luckily, Crossbody for Wrestling just had open gyms on Saturdays for trained wrestlers, uh, Ben Ortman's and... uh, Chris Tidwell, Notorious TID. And uh, I was just waiting. I'm like, I'm not fully trained yet. I'm just waiting. And then uh, on like September 15th, they were like, okay, we're going to open it up to new people. And I was the first student there. And there's another kid that started the next day named Kevin. But uh, there's a kid that used to train at Squared Circle named Tyler Thomas that was helping run class and stuff. And then that's where I started actually getting into the groove of going driving to Kitchener from Brampton three to four times a week to go train there, uh, going to shows on weekends. And then Superkick opened up in March or April of 2015, and that was run by Ashley Six, Jordan Marquez, and Chris Chambers. And I started training there, and I break it down to... I learned how to do my roles and bump at Squared Circle. I learned how to chain wrestle at Crossbody. I learned how to be a pro wrestler at Superkick. That was like the whatever you call that attaches bricks together for a house. Yeah, 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 for sure. That was your that was your pack. Yes, absolutely. So, in terms of your style, who are your influences? Because I mean, everybody has an influence that they take here and there for their style. And then we'll get into what your act, what your style is. I would say definitely Josh Alexander. Uh, who's being the living shit out of me for like the last 13 or 14 months. I don't know. He's hit me in the head a lot. Uh, I recently had an Iron Man match with it where I had a black eye develop five days after the match. That's <laughs> how hard he hit me. And Your body was, didn't catch up to the black eye. <laughs> like, I took some photos with Jeffrey Cole from shooting the indies, and we took the photos on like Wednesday. The Iron Man match was Saturday. And he's like, oh, do you realize you have like a yellowish black eye going? I'm like, no, that's brand new right now. But uh, I'd say Josh Alexander, Mankind, McFoley, and uh, probably a little bit of Stone Cold in the attitude. Definitely, and like nothing I actually do in the ring. But but definitely the way you carry yourself yeah, is, is very Stone Cold. As you walk out, like whoever is there in front of you, you're gonna run through them. I don't know if it's just me. I'm a huge Stone Cold fan. I literally have a Stone Cold tribute tattoo on my leg, and it's. Right. Uh, Every time I walk somewhere, I'm looking around like he walks down the ramp. And uh, I remember on one of his DVDs, he called that the badass motherfucker walk. He yeah. just talks shit, walk down the ramp. So I'm like, every time I go walking in areas, I'm just moving my neck around, then I'll get a cramp. Be like, oh, nope. <laughs> I 
I gotta save this for the ring. I can't just be using it out in public. Oh, it's the worst. I make I check my blind spot, and then it just goes out. Like I'm only looking straight for the rest of this car. Right? <laughs> I did way too much of that BMF walk last night. Oh. So, um, so you started training 2014. When did you get the green light to start actually wrestling in the ring in matches? Uh, November 2014, uh, 2015. I got a, uh, I had a pre-show match against Easy Eric Kearney, and so I did like two or three student shows before this, and one pre-show match. This time, Superkick was having a rumble, and I knew I was in the rumble, and I left to go. I was asked to get like condiments for hot dogs they were selling. I went to the grocery store, I came back, EC3 was on the show, he had a seminar, so I had like my gear bag near the ring. But by the time I came back, the the doors were already open, so my gear bag was gone, and I ran into one training, and they're like, you have a match? I'm like, yeah, I know, I'm in the Rumble later on. And then I passed by a second trainee, who was actually Mark Wheeler, who started training for like a month at that point. He's like, oh, you have a match? I was like, oh, I know, I'm in the Rumble. He's like, no, like, they're looking for you, you have a pre-show match. And I was like, what do you mean? Or who am I facing? And he's like, uh, easy, I'm like, easy, Eric Kearney. And it's like, yeah, that guy. I'm like, oh shit, okay, where's my gear? And then it's like, oh yeah, the blue bag we put behind the safe. So I ended up getting naked behind the curtains. And it's just like a frame with curtains attached to it that if it fell, at least like half a dozen, uh, or not half a dozen, uh, like 50 people, half a hundred people would have seen me butt-ass naked. <laughs> so then uh, me and EZE, we called the match, and we did it, and I impressed Ashley Sykes and Chris Chambers, my trainers at the time, and I got my green light when we were setting the ring up uh, back at the studio afterwards. That's amazing. That's amazing. Would you say that that was, um, to date, I mean, everyone, I mean, you've been in the circuit now for quite a bit of time. We're talking three years, give or take. So uh, going into your fourth year now, so is there a particular indie match that you've had up to this point that really stands out as the match where you literally feel that was your best body of work to date? So I, I was talking to a few people about this, and I call them like level up moments, and it was uh, that That's a great one, analogy. I like that. We're going to use that. We're going to steal that. 100%. Perfect. There's a lot of talk of like video games and stuff where I'm trying to call matches and trying to like figure out stuff. But uh, I call like a bunch of level up moments I have, and one of them, that was definitely like, uh, that was the finishing the uh, instructions to how to play the game. That was like the demo's complete now. Now you get to like play the full game. I'm now going to enter World 1, Level 1. And that was definitely the first one. And then I would say I faced... Uh, the first time I faced Josh 1-on-1 was in the second round of a tournament uh, last January for No Limits Wrestling. And uh, we had the match where most of it was called on the fly. It was the first time I've ever wrestled Josh in any combination, tag team, anything. It was a singles match. And that was definitely like, okay, cool. That was a little level up there. And then I faced Tyson Dukes there. That was another one. And then my recent one was facing Josh Alexander last August where we went like 32 minutes uh, at Crossbody where I won the Crossbody Championship for the first time. And then the second level up, I would say, would be the Ironman match I just had with him because I did not know I could last 60 minutes. Well, that's awesome. That's that's a that's a feather in your cap, right? To know that now you can go that long. Yes. And so, there's not very many people who can actually say that they can go for an hour. Most and I'm fat. Like, most, most can't even get through half an hour. Oh, so I know. It's, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. I see people get blown up all the time. Yeah. And it's funny because I'm fat. So it's like, come on. Come at me. Come on. Let's go. Even bigger test than it too, but <laughs> I'm a fat leap, though, because I'm an athletic fat man. I'm the elite of the fat. You're a Kevin Owens type. 
Because right. he's a fat leaf, right? Yeah, but he can land a moonslot. I can like kind of miss one every now and then, and sometimes <laughs> land on my head. So, so currently, right now, the accolades that you do have. Most recently, uh, this is actually literally a month ago, month and a couple of days. You are the NSW Brass Knuckles champion. Yes. Kudos on that. How did you win that? What was the type? Was there a stipulation match? Just a regular match? Who were you facing? So we're going to go full pro wrestling here of how this happened. Let's do it. So I, I think the show was like in August, maybe in July. I have a singles match with Mark Wheeler's new muscle, his diesel to a Shawn Michaels. And I didn't care about the match, so I hit him with a briefcase. Lost the match in like three and a half minutes. Whatever. Uh, I wanted to conserve my energy. Jake Jones comes out super early for his match being next. Disrespected me. Kind of a piece of shit move. He wins his match. He retains his Brass Knuckles Championship. What what else do you do when you get disrespected? You handcuff a man to the rope and then attack his wife. Oh. <laughs> right. Hey, that's, I was disrespected. Pro wrestling I was disrespected. Full <laughs> pro wrestling. Full pro wrestling. Nice. Uh, we were supposed to wrestle each other like two more times. He unfortunately had vertigo that we couldn't have the match, and then we have it. No DQ. Me and him brawl. And then uh, I gave him pack of power driver, Kevin Owens, right there. And then uh, I wrapped a chain around his throat and gave him a curb stop. And uh, new brass knuckle champion right there. That's, uh, I'm picturing that all in my head, and I'm picturing a whole lot of pain on his end. On his end. On his end, not yeah. on yours. I landed on my ass on that package uh, powder. A little, <laughs> a little uh, pain on my back end. A little pain on your butt cheek. That's all good. Um, and also, uh, currently, you are still the CBPW champion. Yes. You won that in, uh, looks like, November of last year. So I won that in August because they put up their episodes uh, really. I won that in August, and then I lost it in September. So beat Josh in a singles match. Lost it to Josh with Jody Thread in there as a triple threat match. And then the Iron Man match that I just had two, three weeks ago, I won it back. Nice. Because he hit me in the head with a chair with five minutes remaining. <laughs> and no lie, hey, I knew the chair shot was coming. I thought it was coming from my left side, though. It came from the right side. It came from the fucking right <laughs> side. <laughs> so, actually, this is an interesting question because there's a big debate going on right now in wrestling about the inter intergender wrestling. And you just mentioned that Joey Threat was in a triple threat match with you guys. In terms of the intergender uh, kind of thing that's popping up now, a lot of people are on the fence about it. Some people absolutely hate it, don't like it, think females should stick with females, men should stick with men. What's your stance on that? So I think the business side of it is, if you look around, say, Ontario Indie Wrestling, there's like six girls in the area, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you so got Alexi Nicole, you got Joey Threat, you got, I want to say, Casey Spinelli. You've also got... Um, She's not even an Ontario girl, though. No, she's not. Yeah, yeah. I was going yeah. to say, I'm like, I don't even think she's an Ontario girl. I What's think she's Indiana, California, or Florida. Like one of oh, okay, so she's yeah. she's American. Yeah. And so, like, super restrictive when it comes yeah. to being able to run programs with yeah. anybody. So who else are you going to be able to run with? But you got to run with boys. That's why I'm like, oh, your roster is limited. Say so you only have 20 people, three of them are girls. You yeah. can't rotate throughout those three girls constantly. It's, yeah, you have them with the feud. And as long as the feud makes sense, like, I faced Jules Malone at uh, at Championship Wrestling from Ontario, and it was very much a throwaway match. But like, I was already saying like I want to face rookies, women's hardcore wrestler, and quote unquote veterans. And then so that match was like whatever, but I just still treated it. Jules Malone does hardcore stuff, and then with Jody, she was a part of the Riot Makers, and I was going through just like 
fuck this group. I'm going to take everyone out with me. And Jody and I had a match where it was like, it basically built up for a year into this match. And I I even won cheapishly in it. She went to F5 me and I just schoolboyed her up. And then she entered the, uh, the triple threat match as a, because Josh wasn't going to be able to do the September show and then he was able to, so it became a triple threat match. But like that with me and Jody, that story made sense. And for her to, there was no women's championship at that time in Crossbody. It's like, yeah, the challenge for the main championship when you're one of the main headliners. It. Like Alpha One's done great with women's stuff. Like Heidi Lovelace, uh, Ruby Riot has been the zero gravity champion there and the Alpha Male champion. Like her and Kobe Durs have like killed each other and like in the best way possible. Like you can see on like indie. Powerbomb TV changed their name. I think it's like IndieWrestling.tv now. Yeah, Kobe yeah, mentioned that yeah. when we talked to him a couple weeks ago. Yeah. For sure. So your stance is that as long as the feud makes sense and the storyline makes sense, yeah. and, and Jody is somebody that you enjoy working with. Yes. She's she's definitely we've seen her a few times and she definitely knows how to she handle is her a own beast. There. She's a beast. Yeah. Does she does she have those level up moments with you? Uh I think the first match we had together was her longest match that she had at that point. So I think it may have been my longest match also, but uh, that was definitely like her, we'll train together and stuff, we're really close friends. So it's like, that's like one of the moments where it's like, okay, for sure that'd be like a level up moment for her. Nice. And it definitely was for me too, because I had to think, okay, I'm 270 pounds at that point. And I was like, how would I face a woman? And then my idea was, okay, I'm going to give her suplexes because I do suplexes. And then while we're talking about the ideas of the match, like, well, then why don't you win off of that? I'm like, because I want to hurt you. Therefore, I won't win the match until I try to pin you. And if I never pin you and I just keep giving you German suplexes and regular suplexes, the match continues. And then I'm just a piece of shit to the crowd. You're Brock Lesnar. Yeah. You're 100% Brock Lesnar yes. at that point. Shh. And I wasn't <laughs> totally ripping it off. <laughs> it seems to me like it's flexing a lot of muscles between like both the men and the women. When yeah. you guys are both getting in the match, it's like, okay, you want to go out there and go tell a story, but it's obviously, it's kind of difficult yeah. when you don't have all the same range to go with when you're wrestling one of the boys, where it's like, okay, you, gotta, you kind of got to flex muscles to really, really tell a story yeah. kind of thing. It's real stories happen. Yeah. So in terms of your character and everything you kind of portray, you really have an amazing entrance. You come out with this wolf mask. Now yeah, what? What? what it, it's crazy. It's crazy. I showed my daughter, <laughs> and I showed it to her. It was a bad idea. I showed it to her right before bed. Oh hell yeah! So it was not a good idea on on a parental part. <laughs> Any listeners out? Don't do that. Don't show your kid a picture of a dude in a wolf mask right before bed. At but, Holden Pro, show her all the photos. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> we'll get all your socials yes. at the end of it for sure. But where did the idea of the wolf mask? Like, where did that come from? Okay, so uh, the character aspect is I used to have a bunny mask named uh, Johnny. That led me down the rabbit hole of craziness. And then I found the wolf mask named Walter. And that's my way of putting on war paint. And like that little voice in everyone's head that's like, oh, this person pissed me off. I should murder them or punch them in the face. You know, those extremes. And it's like <laughs> my, my voice in my head is the mask in my hand. So the voice is telling me. And before going into war, going into battle, I put the mask on. That's us becoming one. That as soon as I take it off, that's. I mean business. Like, on a podcast, before a show, at the merch table, I can joke around. You're across the ring from me. I'm in a singlet. Maybe wearing boots. Maybe not. And I take the wolf mask off. I'm staring at you. It's like, oh, I'm going to beat the shit out of you for the next little minute. The outside of that is, uh, during the Riot Makers, we uh, wore, like, skull masks and stuff like that. 
And that was when you were with Mark Wheeler, right? That was when you guys were, you guys have had a few tag team accolades, actually, yes. just to go over it. So quickly, BW 400 North, North Tag Team Champions, CBPW Tag Team Champions, NSW Tag Team Champions, and DFC Youngblood Champions. Uh, that one was a solo accolade. Okay. My but, apologies. Uh, but we'll yeah, we had three tag teams at the same time. I took a photo of my memo with all three belts and uh, barely hold them all up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But, like, uh, we also had, like, a bigger faction where Jody Crowe was in it, too, and Stratosphere. But me and Mark were the tag uh, aspect of it. So uh, what happened, though, was uh, we were wearing, like, skull masks, and then we got, like, those face masks that... Uh, are like all popular on like Facebook and Instagram ads. Yeah, the half masks, yeah. right? You pull up and it could be the Joker's half or yeah. anybody's. Yeah, so yeah. we had like skull versions of that and whatever to like fit our style of being uh, kind of terrorists. And then uh, uh, I went to Spirit Halloween on November 1st, we had discounts, and I saw a bunny mask. So I was like, oh, that's cool. The bunny mouth opens up, sweet. Uh, and then I was like, this looks too spot on. So I ripped one of the ears off and then I wore to random Barry show and was like, why are you wearing that? And then they realized like how creepy it looks because the head was so big. And then I got drunk at Anime North last year and I dropped it outside of the Tim Hortons oh. and the jaw broke. And I was oh. like, oh, I need to replace this. I'll go online to find it. It got discontinued in 2016. And I was like, shit. So then that's when Walter yes, was born. Um, I, uh, I looked up the company that made that, I looked up that specific brand, and I was like, I need something where the mouth opens up at least to make it like that much more. And then I found uh, the wolf mask, and there's different kinds. There's like a brown one to be like straight up werewolf. And I was like, the white makes sense. And I also always wanted to get like blood on there or something. There was one time I spit blood out at Barry Wrestling that takes place in a church, and I stained the floor. I'm quite happy about that. And... Uh, Sean Gibson, not so happy about the blood on the floor in the church, but I was quite happy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then I now have Walter. I've had uh, four other masks of that one because it has broken a few times. And uh, yeah, that's the, the no BS reason for it. And then down the rabbit hole craziness is the uh, the story reason of it. It's it's an awesome. It's it's really cool to hear like the character aspect of everything yeah. because it's it, it shows it shows anyone everyone who's listening. It shows how much time and effort. You took into building character. Like, you're, you're wrestling a ability, there's no, ones about, there's no bones about it. You can brawl, you can fight, you can hold your own in that ring. 110%. No, it's the truth. And even if you weren't very, I mean, with the, if you had the wolf mask in with you now, I would be saying even more stuff to kiss your butt. Because I would be <laughs> definitely afraid. But no, seriously, on the level, like, your wrestling ability is there 100%. But the fact that how much, for, for an indie, how much you've really developed that character, it's, it's nothing short of amazing. It's something that I would love to see more of. And I would love to see more on a bigger, bigger programming for sure. So, in terms of like your career now and kind of the path you're taking, what is the next few steps that you want to take? Where do you want to go from here? So, I was always no one. Everyone always says when you get into wrestling, your goal is to be world champion and wrestle at WrestleMania and be in WWE. I was just a fat kid that was like, oh, I have money that a trip that friends bailed on, so I started training. Because I knew I always wanted to train, and uh, I just had money, and I was like, okay, cool, I'll do this. I just want to be a wrestler. So then when I got my green light, I was like, so what now? And then everyone tells you, go to every show, don't sleep, go to training. And in my first year, that burnt me out, that it made me want to quit wrestling. And I tried to quit wrestling. I canceled one booking. It's the only booking I've ever canceled in my whole time in wrestling. 
and I took a month off. Uh, I tried to cancel another booking for Crossbody. Uh, they didn't get the message, and I got added to the group chat for that show like two days beforehand. I was like, it's been a month off. Screw it, I'll do this. And then I did it, and apparently if you rest a while, your wrestling gets so much better when you get some sleep in and just decompress. And then I just like made the decision, like, I'm just going to have fun. And the Rhymeers just like blew up in that year. And I was like, oh, this is what happens when like the chains are unleashed on me. I'm like, I'm just going to have fun and wrestling. <laughs> Sorry. No. <clears throat> so uh, I did that. And now my goal is just like, I want to like help raise like other people to just like have fun and just like don't over stress. Because what burnt me out was I was going 110 miles per hour. Like I wanted to get a contract, but it's like I had no time to work out. I had no time to sleep. I think I had like four other jobs that I got hired and fired within that year. Well, no time for family, no time for relationships. I think about that a lot, man, and how much, like, I'm glad you're talking about this right now, because we've never had a guest on to actually talk about the, the fact of what ever, what you guys all go through on the fact that, like, you, you get so gung-ho and wanting to go get a contract, and you get so gung-ho of wanting to go wrestle everywhere that you literally don't have to, you, you just forget to sleep, yeah. and then somewhere along the line, you wake up, and you're just completely burnt out. Oh, 100%. And it was, uh, I think I also, like, destroyed a car and a half at that point of just, like, running it down, like, the gas lines ran out and stuff like that, and I was like, what am I doing? And then random stuff happened, all fun, and then, uh, because, uh, Mark Wheeler's such a good wrestler, and he was getting, like, so many opportunities that, like, any of the tag bookings kind of conflicted with some of that, and I didn't want to feel like I was holding him back, and I was like, hey, why don't we just do our own thing? And that's when, uh, there's, like, a small little caveat to the story of the mask, where January 2018, it was us versus the Dirty Vets, and they did like another Terry Funk or the Bubba Ray Dudley, like uh, the ladder around the head. Yeah, so I had a uh, custom uh, Marcus Ryan in like a rainmaker position or like a ripcord position, and he ducked. And I was like, okay, the ladder's coming. I put my hand up, but I still turned my head, and then it looked like I had a vagina on my forehead from just busting open. Um, and then it's like, oh, that's the caveat that right the next time, around that time, we lost all of our tables, we were splitting up anyways. And they were blaming, like, oh, the mask is like, that's why it's crazy. And I'm like, wait a minute, I can just say I had a head injury that's real because of my face was bleeding. And that's the reason why everything changed. That's what opened up the other voices. Yeah, I don't say, like, because there are people that are like, my character is I'm a vampire. And I'm like, Vampires aren't real, though. Where it's like, my character, I go down, um, it's, it threatens to kidnap people, threatens to murder people, serial killer aspect to it, but at the end of the day, I say it's like, a little bit of schizophrenia mixed with like, depression and just a whole bunch of mental health issues are in there. Which yeah. is why, like, I can still, act, if I gave you a new promotion, I can be the crazy dude that's like, threatening to murder people and creating found footage style promo videos and threatening people's families. But at Crossbody, I've grown so much that I'm more of just a wrestler there. But then if the feud calls for like a hardcore match or something, the fans there will know, oh, Holden Albright's going hardcore. This is going to be bad. This is going to go extreme with it. So would you say this is almost like your demon, if you will, like, a, yes. like your Finn Balor, for yes. sure, right? 100%. It's that same rabbit hole. 
I, that's I, I, there's a developing romance here, man. You might want to start handing out resumes. I feel it. Man. As soon as you started talking about serial kills and stuff, you know you felt me getting all giddy, right? I'm a big horror movie guy. I, I love. Them. I felt the movie. Bro. I love. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a horror movie that. guy all in all. Like Michael's my boy forever. Michael Myers my boy forever. Um, but definitely Freddy. Uh, we'll we'll give a, a tip of the hat to Jason, depending okay. on the film. Okay. Definitely not eight. Jason goes to Manhattan. I will never give a tip of the hat to that film. But I'm a big fan of all that stuff. Not so much the ghost stories, but definitely like the, the sexiness and, and all the, the, the great killings and how they do everything. Because sometimes it's the killings that overshine the story of the film. So you might slightly, this might ruin the romance. I'm not a horror movie guy at all. It's okay. But you're into the serial killers. I, like, I also enjoy okay. that stuff as well. I like the true crime aspect. Like Perfect. There's some wrestlers that will literally just straight up steal a character from a movie or a TV show. Whereas my inspiration for my promos, like, this is going to sound real fucked up. It's, like, actual, like, serial killer tapes and stuff like that. Like, it's ISIS videos of beheadings and hostages. I'm like, oh, like, that dude that sent a uh, a bomb to Bjork. Yes. And, like, he recorded himself for, like, five hours and he shaved his head and he put the red face paint on him and he shot himself. Like, that's one of my ideas for videos. Like, I have a one really messed up promo video that kind of looks like it involves murdering a female, that I'm like, the moment that promo's called for, that's going to be the, holy shit, like that promo was a little too far. Let's talk after the show, man. I went to film school. Ooh. I would all, I would be all about helping you with some of those promo videos, man. Be all about it. All about it, man. Interesting. Absolutely. We'll definitely chat after the show. Yeah. So in terms of, I guess, Walter, yes. let's go back to the mask for a second. Where did you come up with the names? Because Walter's just a random name. It's not... So where did the... And what was the bunny's name? Uh, Johnny. Johnny. So where did the, the names come from? So there is a comic book that one of my friends recommended to me called Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Yes! And It's uh, it's seriously one of my favorites. And it had the dead bunny on the wall, which is what my buddy's like, oh, this is kind of reminding me of that. So like, even though the bunny's name was Johnny, I called it me because of the, the comic book. And then uh, Walter, just the alliteration... Walter the Wolf. I was like, I need a name that starts with a W for the Wolf. And I was like, Walter the Wolf. Walter the Wolf. Genius. Absolute genius. So, in terms of, I guess, we, we kind of talked about what the next steps are for you. If, per se, one of the big promotions were to ever call, I'm not going to name which one. We'll just let you decide that. But if one of them were to call, who would you, if you, depending on which promotion you choose, who would you like to work a program with if you have the opportunity to for that promotion? Uh, I was supposed to wrestle Jimmy Havoc in uh, December. He's currently announced to uh, be signed with All Elite Wrestling. He's definitely a guy. His feud with Will Ospreay in progress like four years ago is what got me really into like current indie wrestling stuff going on. So that would definitely be like somewhere I'd want to go. But like, if anyone offered me a contract, I'm not looking for a contract right now. My goal for this year is, uh, and it's uh, it's based off of, like. When Josh got turned around at the border, he's like, screw it, I'm just going to wrestle everywhere in Ontario and just raise this up. That's my goal, just be so good and undeniable in Ontario that if I get an opportunity anywhere, big or small, it could be like AAW, Freelance, um, Impact, whatever, I'll be ready and already have this full presentation instead of like, oh, I'm a dude in good shape, trunks and kick pads, what can you do with me? I'm like, well, here's what I can provide you right now. And it's like, oh, okay. We'll f- 
figure out where you slot in here. Well, I'm I, I, I'm big on it. I'm big on the character side of things. We actually did an episode not too long ago called uh, After Revival. <laughs> it was actually a, a back and forth, great conversation because we we don't even though we're best friends, we don't agree on a lot of things. We actually have completely different opinions. I'm a big revival fan. He is not. He is a fan of the build, okay. whereas myself, I am a fan of the culmination. And a lot of times in indie wrestling, you don't get a chance for the build. Yeah. You don't get a chance to really tell him the whole story. You get snippets here and there. So in indie wrestling, the culmination really is everything. Yeah. For you, being an indie wrestler, if you had an ability to run the whole build, would you enjoy that more? Or do you just like the fact that you have the culmination aspect? Sometimes it's a match or two to get things set up, but then the culmination is right there. Uh, we all like pro wrestling because of storytelling and the uh, and the fight aspect. Like, I'm not a big sports fan of anything, but I'll definitely watch an MMA fight when they cut good promos or or McGregor throws a like barricade at a bus and they put in the hype video for it. Yeah, like, I literally spent <coughs> maybe. I think 45 minutes or an hour before going to the gym the other morning, just watching Stone Cold stuff. And it was like, it started with the My Way music video with The Rock, and then it built to like the old Stone Cold coming back for the invasion, him helping Mankind win the title on the January 4th Raw, and just all this stuff. Where it's Rikishi like, hitting him with a car and us wondering, how the hell did that big son of a bitch fit in a Cadillac? Did not watch that one at all. <laughs> I may go back and watch that street fight. One. That, that street fight was pretty decent. Yeah. But like, here's, I even told someone, it's like, the Stone Cold character, he just built up the fact that if a pickup truck just drove into the back of a like a parking garage, you're like, oh shit, Austin's here, Sus going to go, just because it's a pickup truck. Yeah. Like, you get the mystery limo of like, who's coming out, where it's like, a pickup truck pulls in, you're like, oh, Austin's here, shit's going to go down. So... There's definitely, like, the culmination in it, but unfortunately, most indie companies don't really see the full thing. They're just like, here's my toys of wrestlers to play with. I'm going to put these guys together instead of, yeah, like, legitimately, A1 is so good at their storytelling because every year they have their big final act show, and there will be, like, the main event for sure, and then, like, two or three other stories in the show that have been culminating for at least three months, maybe a year, maybe even two years. And then everything else is slowly building up. And throughout the year, there's small little storylines of this or that going on and people rising up. And unfortunately, some promotions just think, oh man, if you have wrestler A and wrestler B face each other in like a whole bunch of matches for a year, that's a storyline. It's like, no, because if the fans didn't give a shit after the third match, that's not a combination. And they've already seen it's like literally going to see the same band over and over yeah, and over. Yeah, it's like, oh, like now I've already it's, seen the same set. I know what I'm going to go see. There's now just a new weapon to it. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's the only difference where it's like the simplest thing is like the rule of three. Just have three matches that set it up. And it's you have a regular match. Maybe there's a screw finish that the heel squeaks it out or jumps the baby face at the end. And then you have a stipulation match that actually means something instead of just having a stipulation match. Yeah, and then of course your third match to have your you're finishing the story, and now it's time for both of them to move on and start their new story off again with the with the new people they're going to fight. Like not to just constantly talk about Crossbody and Josh. It's like I'm I'm the only one that's really gotten an actual story at Crossbody just for the fact that I was there on the first show and I it was whatever match. I was still like not even a year into wrestling. I had my shitty first singlets and. Uh, it was like whatever, and then I had the tag match with Mark Wheeler. The next show, we weren't even a team at that point. 
on the board, it literally said Team Buddy Burger because it was Albright and Wheeler, A&W. And then we just formed the team. That built up. The team dissolved. I went super crazy. I just tried to kill everyone. And then I faced Josh. I I beat him. The crowd respected me for going 32 minutes with Josh. And then Josh beat me in the triple threat match, said, you need to earn my respect. Had a whatever, had a good match, not whatever match with Justin Sane. But I was a little cocky at the end of it, and I put a Canadian Strong Style shirt on, and Josh came out, congratulated me on the match, and then smacked me in the face and said, if I think just putting a Canadian Strong Style shirt on means anything, then I need to learn something. And then I faced Michael Elgin, and then I faced Josh and Michael Elgin in a three-way in January, and then Josh in an Iron Man match where I challenged him for the title, and he's like, yeah, fine, I didn't pin you in this match, but you're going to do it in my uh, my territory in a 60-man Iron Man match. And then I just stood in the ring and said, fuck my life. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have the Iron Man match, and now like the crowd at Crossbody, that's why I'm less serial killer there, and I can just be pure wrestler, main event, 20, 30-minute matches. And that's also in my back pocket of, like, I can have, like, a 10-minute Undertaker-Bray Wyatt-style match in Barry, and then go to Kitchener and have a 30-minute main event match against anyone, and it makes sense. Yeah. Because the crowd has seen me do it. Right. And in terms of, to go back to your, you talked about getting burnt out in that first year, but you were going literally 110 miles an hour. Now you've kind of taken a step back, you're slowing down, you're, 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 you're being decisive on your movements. Are you more selective with the shows that you book? Or are you still kind of, when something comes up and you have the available time, you'll go? I don't think I've ever said no to a booking on a day I didn't have a booking. I've gone so far as, I think there's a day coming up in June that I have like a 1 p.m. booking, a 4 p.m. booking, and an 8 p.m. booking. Damn. And it's just like, <clears throat> if I can do it, I'm going to do it because I want as much in-ring time as possible. I just now know if I'm not booked on a show, I don't need to get there at like 10 a.m. to set up and leave at like 1 a.m. and still go out to like the bar or the restaurant afterwards and just like show face and like half kiss ass. And it's like, no, people know who I am. I can just focus on my work being good. It's the same reason as I've gone on the car rides to the States and stuff like that. And I've been booked sometimes, but not most of the time. And then it's just like, I did an Elgin camp a year and a half ago. And in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm spending whatever amount of money on this. I'm going away for a week. Uh, this is going to be my in to getting more opportunities in the States. And it's like, no, it was great. I learned so much that I now have in my back pocket for wrestling on actual shows and matches and my mindset's changed. But I never took the ball and ran with it, where it's like a year later, some of the critiques I was given then didn't fully sink in until literally that was October 2017. And some of that didn't even sink in until February of this year, where it's like, oh, wait, now uh, that's what uh, Elgin meant back then. And it's like, oh, yeah, that changes it up. And Right now, my focus is just working out a ton and just like not losing shape and just still being a good wrestler and sleeping. <laughs> so, in terms of you mentioned actually a picture with your Nona, yes, where you're sticking with the belt, you barely hold them up. Um, family time. It's always a question to me because I myself, I have two kids and a wife who I love dearly. Love you, babe. Um, but in terms of family time, <laughs> is it hard to kind of mash the two together? Like when you want to spend time with the family, but there may be a booking and it's kind of a big event. Have you missed big family events or do you still now work the schedule around where you can still have that family time? So I used to go to my nonas for lunch like every Sunday. 
and then that way down. Last like Sunday like, dinner. No lunch. Lunch. Sorry, my apologies. I, I'm sorry. I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna <laughs> see you do the rest of the <laughs> See it. you out of your own man cave. <laughs> uh, but I used to go to her place for lunch every Sunday, and then slowly did it. And like, to be honest, don't have the best family life, and like wrestling was my way of like escaping that. Where it's like, oh, I have an excuse not to be home. Like three nights during the weekend or during the weekday and like two or three nights on the weekends. Yeah, I'll leave as soon as possible because my excuse right before that was like, I never went to college or university, but I worked at Cineplex and I, uh, I basically like drank for like a year and a half, two years. And it was just like, that was my escape of like going out drinking. And now instead of wasting money on like $150 pub bills for just myself, like I wish I was spending it on girls. And then it's that just goes in my gas tank now. So yeah. it's like I don't have the best family life anyway. So this is a good like way to like distract myself with it. Definitely has affected relationships. Uh, I have a weird haircut. This is definitely a turn off when you uh, when you go to a coffee shop or meet up with someone at an art gallery for a date. They're like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" <laughs> uh, but I don't hide it. I have photos of me wrestling on like my Tinder and Bumble accounts, and it's like I don't hide those. This is who I am. But they 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 get surprised by it. Uh, but then like missing family events or stuff like that. Nothing, luckily, family wise has come up with anything. It's mostly just my sister and my mother being pissed off that I can't go to my nana's for lunch on a Sunday. But I still make time for her. Where I'm like. Hey, this Tuesday at noon or at 10 a.m., can I go to your place? And yeah, she loves it. She loves seeing me. So it's like, oh, I'm her favorite grandson for the fact that she has me and then three granddaughters. So I went by default. <laughs> I'm a very big fan of winning by default. That race is uh, quite easily the win. And you mentioned your mom and your sister. Yes. Are they supportive of your character, of the business, of what you're choosing to do? This goes into like. <clears throat> My family life isn't the best where it's like my dad's super supportive and like I even uh, do stand up sometimes too. And uh, I can see that you're you're absolutely <laughs> you are you are very candid and hilarious. This Thank is you. definitely by far been the most entertaining, like very entertaining and relaxed interview that we've done. Hell yeah. yeah. So like my dad's always been supportive and I actually at lunch on Sunday because uh, it was my mom's birthday, we uh, I just looked over at my dad. I, I insulted a few people which was like jokes or whatever. And I looked at my dad, I'm like, do you know you're the reason why like I'm actually like funny? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you're the reason I'm funny looking because it's your genetics. <laughs> but he always used to play like Funny 820 <laughs> on the radio. I remember it was literally, it's wrestling and stand-up at all times in my like my childhood. And then like Beast Wars at 4 a.m. because I'd wake up super early. But it's like, I just remember there being constant streams of like, John Panette, Mitch Hedberg, and like Stone Cold and The Rock on the other side. <laughs> so it's like, I know like that came from there. And he's always been supportive of it. And then my mom and my sister, they're very much opportunists when it's supportive. Like they'll share like a photo or a video about something. Uh, when I wrestled for Smash in December for my big match, they came out, but it like, it felt so fake to me. So it's like, I'm saying they're supportive, but at the same time, you're telling me to cancel a show just so that you could do whatever and I can stay home with the dogs. I'm like, no, I'm going to go to Kitchener. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. Where it's like, that's not being supportive to just come out for like the big thing. Like, oh, that cool thing you're doing just so you can put on your Instagram story. Like, oh, your brother's doing a cool thing. So it's like, 
my dad 100% supported. My mom and my sister, I think it's fake. But that just goes to me not having the best family life. Right. My nana loves the championships. There's even she artwork. She loves the gold. She loves the gold. I show her videos and she does not like it. <laughs> she does not like the videos at all. Especially I go there with a bandage and five staples or five stitches in my head. Not a big fan. She probably just looks at you and goes, what did you do? I, I, I just literally had like a limp in my foot because I stepped on like a rock. <laughs> and I walked to the washroom and she just stared at me. She's like, no, Brandone, what the fuck? <laughs> and I was like, I stepped on a rock, like it's okay. But I definitely have the McFoley walk going on too and I just use that as an excuse. Uh, Nona sounds like a complete gangster. I hope to meet her one day. She used to tell me a food day at the dinner table when I was younger, which basically tells me a choke in Italian to an eight-year-old. Uh, and then she progressed to just saying, shut the fuck up. <laughs> she was like four foot eight. Nice. Awesome. Yes. Amazing. Hardcore wrestling. The only profession you can't show your known on. There you go. <laughs> it's, it's definitely restricted. So um, one thing we always like to do, I guess, at the tail end of any awesome interview we do, we like to play a little game we like to call word association. Hell yeah. I'm going to throw out a wrestler, and you're going to give me the first word that pops in your in mind. A lot of people have struggled. Jeffrey Cole, you struggle. Kobe Durst? Colby Dirk struggles with a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> um, Josh, we didn't get a chance to play with it, but I did it with Aiden. Aiden was a lot of fun, and Bubblegum Princess was really good at it, too. So we're hoping. One word? One word. Cool. First word pops in your head. You ready? I'm just okay. going to throw a random wrestler. Steve, you can jump in anytime. You want to go first, actually? Just say bench for everything. There you go. Bench, <laughs> yes. Um, all right, here we go. Ready? I'm going to throw. You mentioned him already, so we'll start with this guy, Mick Foley. Great. Triple H. Entertainer. Josh Alexander. Fucking incredible. Kobe Dears. Crazy. <laughs> um, Ethan Page. Uh, entertainment. Jody Threat. Beast. Brock Lesnar. Arrogant. Kenny Omega. Entertainment. Tom Phillips. Tom or Todd? Todd. Is it Todd? It's Todd Phil. Todd Phil. <laughs> I thought it was Todd Pettingale. It's Todd, Todd Pettingale, but it's it's Todd Phillips. All right, scratch that. Todd Pettingale. Before my time. Okay, fair enough. I'll give you that. Undecisive. Okay, well, we'll throw one announcement that you would know. Good old JR. The best. Hands down. The podcast looks kind of shitty. He's talks too slow for a podcast. Yes, no, yeah. He's, I, I've struggled to get through the podcast, oh, so I'll be, I'll be honored. I'll, I'll be honest about that. I've absolutely struggled. So um, I guess one other question that I would like to ask you would be, if there was any young fan that was listening to this, somebody who was interested in getting into the business, what would be the one piece of advice you would give them? Uh, if you're super young, like under 16, find a sport, play it. I played soccer as a kid. Uh, if you're between like 16 to 20, uh, just start going for runs. Do push-ups, squats, some crunches. Uh, that'll get you ready. And then join wrestling at 18 to 20. Find a reputable school. And always take seminars. Always try to learn from a bunch of people. Don't get stuck at one school. Trying to learn from one person. And when you have your first match, don't be like, I'm a wrestler now. Yay. Like Just keep hustling at it. And then have fun. And always have fun in wrestling. All right. Well, that's awesome. That's a great piece of advice. Again, thank you so much for taking the time out today to come with us in the Straight Talk Studios. It is open form to you. Anytime you ever want to come back and hang out, 
You just give us a text. You let us know. We would love to have you back. Thank love you. to have you back in a couple months from now to see how far the character's growing. And we definitely got to come check you live. Because okay. I and when you, when we are live though, do me a favor. Go all out with it. Spit the blood. I want to see it all. Uh, I'm very much. I got the mentality from Josh Alexander. The me- the thing is like, oh, ten or a thousand people. I don't wrestle for a thousand people. So ten or a hundred or five hundred people. I go balls to the wall every chance I get. Some people say, man, yeah, I go hard every single time. It's like, no, you don't. Like, I, <laughs> and uh, Josh yelled at me. Not yelled at me. He called me dumb for it. But, like, I, in the back of my mind, I had a, I would call them a Foley bump. And, like, every three or four matches, I would have to get some sort of Foley bump in. One of them was being pushed off the top rope onto a banquet table that I somehow broke the banquet table. <laughs> so it's like I always had the idea of like, oh, there's some sort of fully bump in the match. And like I had that where it's like I would do the same thing for five people in the crowd or 500. Like I don't care. When you see Holden Albright, I don't want you to go, oh, that guy was whatever. I mean, there's so many different reasons for me to stand out. Having a shitty match shouldn't be one of them. Right. So I will do everything in my ability to work hard. One other question that just popped in my head that we, I did forget to ask. If there's anybody in the indie scene you haven't had a chance to wrestle, who would you like to? That's a sound question right there. Uh, it's not a person, but it's a thing that's on my bucket list right now. But I want to do the CZW Tournament of Death. Uh, I think you would definitely be foolish in that. Your character sounds like you'd be the winner before you even entered it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm very terrified. I keep putting that out in the universe. I want to do that. But uh, I already know the Instagram post the next day is going to be me all bloody. And if you ever make a joke about something, and you end up <laughs> in uh, a field in Delaware covered in blood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. Hands down, this has definitely been one great conversation. Thank it's you for amazing. taking the time out, man. We can't wait to see your character grow and blossom even further. And like I said, it's an open door. Anytime you want to come back, you're more than welcome. More than welcome, dude. All right, guys, as always, I'm your host. I'm Steve the Animal Mitchell. And our special guest. Holden Albright, Holden Pro on social media. All right, perfect, guys. Don't forget to check him out. Hit him up. It's absolutely amazing. And as always, we'll be back next week with another great show. Peace out, guys. Peace. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Catch us every Wednesday at 7.30 on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Also, be sure to follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. Wrestling!